Welcome to That Vacation Co. Podcast. I'm Caleb, along with Chanel, and we are doing a That Disney Hustle episode. And uh, today we are talking about Epcot. And this is kind of reliving our most recent trip to uh, the most wonderful place on Earth, the most magical place on Earth, Walt Disney World in Orlando, Florida. And uh, we spent two days at Epcot. Um, we did five park days total, two of which were spent at Epcot. And yes, this was our first time to the International Food and Wine Festival there at Epcot, and it it was a blast. And so we're going to actually condense all of that into one episode rather than breaking that up into two. And uh, kind of the way we'll work through this is uh, a little bit of the way that we typically visit the parks, which is we we enter through the main gate and uh, start off in Future World. And uh, I know that since uh, our trip, Future World has been broken up into three blocks and uh, it's no longer called Future World. Um, you know, so we'll, we'll, we will use Future World to discuss it because that is based on what it was when we visited. So that's the, that's the heads up as we head into this episode. But we'll go through Future World. Then we're going to talk about World Showcase. And as we go through World Showcase, we're going to talk about uh, the International Food and Wine Festival. Um, and then we'll talk some attractions as we go along. So we'll talk Future World attractions in Future World and uh, World Showcase attractions in World Showcase. And we will end by talking about two restaurants that we ate at as well. So that's kind of where we're going, where we're headed, all that good stuff. Chanel's got allergies. She just sneezed. It's good. We're all good. No COVID. Um, But here we go. We're going to start by talking about World Showcase. So uh, right off the bat, you know, upon entering the parks... Um, one of the things that was noticeably different, uh, this trip compared to previous trips that we've had is, uh, some of the construction updates. Uh, so we were last there in January of 2020. Uh, but even since then it's, it's gone through some pretty, pretty drastic, um, you know, construction updates and, and all that good stuff. And so, yeah, we're going to talk a little bit about that. So, number one, right off the bat, as we made our way to Epcot, you know, we went through the uh, what was one time uh, those giant stone monoliths as part of, um, you know, I, I can't remember exactly what it was called. Um, they they now have it outside the gate, uh, the Leave a Legacy uh, program, and. I, I actually really like the version that they have up right now. I think I like it better than the stone monoliths. And, you know, I know there might be some disagreement, but I like the big, bright colors that they've put uh, on those now. And, and we'll probably share a photo of that. Uh, I know some people might be a little discouraged because they moved them outside of the actual park. Um, but I, I really like the way that the entrance to Epcot looks right now. Um, I do love the fountain with the the prism statue. I guess, I guess it's a statue. I don't know what that is. Um, that's that's there. Uh, it's beautiful during the day. It's it's beautiful at night. Uh, it's got that glorious Epcot logo, um, and I, I just I I took a lot of pictures of it. I love it. Uh, I think that it perfectly encapsulates uh, everything that Epcot 
should be and represent and all that stuff. I love the flags nearby. Um, to me, it really harkens back to the olden days of Epcot, the early 80s, um, and all that Epcot represented. So I'm I'm thrilled with that addition. Uh, I don't think Chanel really has a whole lot of interest in it, but I'll let her voice her opinion. I don't have a lot of feelings about it. Uh, it looks nice. That's Those are my feelings. <laughs> Oops. I, just, I just hit her in the face with the microphone, so that's all good. Um, yeah, she doesn't have a lot of feelings on it, but it, that's kind of surprising because I, I, I thought she would have stronger feelings on that, that fountain. Uh, it's a design feature, so I thought she would she would have something to say, but I guess not. All right, moving right along. So Future World. Um, this is a massive area of construction right now, and there's no way around it. I mean, there is a way around it. It's a path that takes you all the way around it. Um, but, I mean, that metaphorically, there's no way around it. Uh, it is construction, and it is not pretty, and, you know, it, it's it's going somewhere. We all know that. You know, there, there's a future in sight for this. It did take longer than expected. Thank you, COVID. Um, I'm a little bit more gracious, I think, than others in commenting on it in that regard because I just – I. I understand COVID did a number financially for everybody, including the Disney parks system and uh, business side of everything. So the fact that some of the construction projects have been delayed, um, even some indefinitely delayed, it's understandable. Uh, The world went through an insane um, economic struggle during the pandemic. And so Disney parks were not unaffected by it, you know, being closed for an extended period of time did a number. So it doesn't, it, I mean, of course it bothers me in some, de- some sense of it, you know, I, I, I'm disappointed that it's taking this long to get it done. But, um, at the same time, I, I do, I do understand and am willing to give them a pass on it until, you know, we see what the, the final product is, I guess. Just one quick on thi- one one quick thing on that. Um, Caleb mentioned, you know, construction not being pretty, um, <clears throat> and I'm not sure if he said it, but just so you know, if you happen to be going there anytime soon while it's still going on, Disney does a really good job of hiding their construction, so it's not like you're going to see equipment or really even honestly, I in all the years that we've been going to Disney, and there's always something going on construction wise, you know, they're revamping something or building some, it's just just always, cause they're always working on the parks. And I find that I have never had any problems with that fact because they do a good job of covering their work while they're working, you know, so at Epcot right now, they've got big, um, walls up, construction walls up and they're nicely like painted and decorated. And some even have some design features on them and even places where you can take pictures in front of, um, which kind of makes it a little fun. But so they do a good job of covering. You're not going to see big equipment. You're not going to, at least in my experience, hear lots of noises. I mean, maybe you will sometimes. But um, they do a good job of hiding it. So for pictures, just for the general enjoyment and environment of the parks, you're not going to see cranes and excavators and uh, mounds of dirt and things like that for the most part. It's going to be nicely, neatly covered and concealed so just to put that out there for your peace of mind no that's good i was going to get to that but um thank you for that 
that part of it, you're exactly right. You know, the construction's not visible. Uh, I think every now and then you get a glimpse of it if you're on the monorail, but, um, you know, there's only so much they can shield. But for eye, eye lines when you're walking, you're going to just see the barriers that they put up or the scrims that they put up. So it's, they do a great job of that um, to keep you in the magic. But it, it is hard with such a, you know, major reconstruction pro- project at Epcot you know, there are entire sections that have been demolished of Future World that they are, you know, redesigning and refreshing and all that stuff. So there's a lot going on, um, you know, entire pavilions that are no more. And they're 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 making something that I think will be wonderful. Uh, but it takes time to get there. And it's been extended because of COVID. But having said that, it's still magical and still our favorite park. So, um, you know, we did some rides in Future World. Um, I guess right off the bat, I will mention the new create creations shop. Um, we actually did this on our second day at Epcot. Um, I just wanted to mention it because it is like the main, the main shop there at, at Epcot. And it, I, you know, it, it's a gift shop, but it, I, I really liked it. It's massive. It's very bright. Um, the, on some of the walls, there's some really colorful murals. Um, I think it captures a little bit of what I think of with Future World. Um, it's not quite retro or anything like that, harkening back to the 80s. But um, I'm I'm cool with it. I think that it's a nice place, um, nicely decorated. And we spent a fair amount of time in this gift shop, more time than we spent at like the Emporium at Magic Kingdom. And I, I was fine with it. I, I, you know, fine sticking it out as we do our, our gift shopping um, and all that good stuff. I bought a really cool, what I think is cool, uh, a corksicle, my first corksicle um, tumbler. And is that a tumbler? I don't know. I don't know these science things. A water bottle. Yeah. Uh, it's an aluminum water bottle. I guess it's aluminum. It's neck unlike a tumbler which typically you know is wide all the way up and down but this is so yeah so i don't know what it's called but it's a water it's, bottle it's called a corksicle it's a vessel it's a water vessel. a water vessel it delivers water to my gullet um and it's cool it's got a little bit of the pattern of the uh you know geometric shapes of the of the spaceship earth uh as part of like the epcot merch that they released in time for like the beacons of magic and all that good stuff for the 50th anniversary of Walt Disney world. I, I really like it. I, I thought some of that merch was really cool. I also picked up because if, if you know, I've mentioned a few times in episodes, I'm a notebook um, connoisseur. Um, some might call it an unhealthy addiction, uh, but I love me a good notebook. And I picked up a set of three Epcot notebooks. Um, I'm not quite finished with, my main notebook that I use for taking notes and things. Um, so it's, it's that, that's what I'm going to next is those Epcot. Normally I use Moleskin notebooks exclusively, uh, the official notebook of Caleb Berg. Um, but this is a departure, but I felt it was a safe departure since it's Epcot themed and that's my favorite park. Um, for rides, um, I was really excited because Olive, um, got to ride a new ride, a new ride for her. Uh, not a new ride, but a new ride for her, and that was Soren. Very little weight, very low weight on that one. We pretty much walked on. Um, there was only a slight pause as we were getting loaded up, uh, so just a couple-minute wait, 
and Olive loved it. She said it was her favorite attraction at Epcot. And so that was exciting. I mean, it's honestly, Soren is not Chanel or my favorite, uh, but it's fun to watch Olive as she gets to experience these new attractions for her. Um, these are the ones that, you know, she wasn't quite tall enough to ride the last time we went. And now she is tall enough to ride and she's getting to experience uh, these things brand new for her. And so it was fun to see her enjoy that and have a blast. Of course, of course, we did Living with the Land. That's uh, absolutely one of our favorites. We did Spaceship Earth. It's never, never a trip to Walt Disney World for us if we can, uh, if we can't get on Spaceship Earth. I mean, we're going to make that happen. Uh, so we rode it at nighttime. Um, I guess once you're inside, it doesn't really matter whether it's daytime or nighttime, but we rode it at nighttime. Um, and it was a wonderful way to close out our first day at Epcot. Uh, we enjoyed that. We enjoy that attraction so much. Um, we also rode Finding Nemo, the Seas with Nemo. Olive typically had been scared of that attraction because she kind of developed a little fear of Bruce the shark. Um, so we were a little surprised when Olive. That was the first attraction she wanted to ride. She's like, "Let's let's do Finding Nemo," and we're like, "Are you sure?" Because last time you kind of freaked out when we got to Bruce, kind of had a panic attack, and um, she was good. She she wrote it with Uncle Paul and Aunt Marcel, and she she sat through and had a good time. Um, anything else in World Showcase that you can think of? Um, also in the uh, living the seas area, living you know the seas part. Um, there's sort of a children's play indoor area that has a very large Bruce that you can climb into and take a picture in his mouth. And she wanted to do it after we rode the ride. She wanted to do it. And I remember the last time we were there, you know, a couple of years ago, she was afraid to go in that room because there was a huge grinning Bruce. Um, and so I just, you know, it's kind of cool. Um, if, if the Disney parks are a place that you go to, whether it's annually or every two or three years, um, and you take your kids there, you can kind of, it's kind of a neat milestone marker to watch them grow. You know, at five, she was terrified of Bruce. Now she's seven and she's a little, you know, still looks at him a bit askance, like, I'm not so sure, but I think I can handle you. Um, so it was just cool to see her get brave and know that she was going to be okay. So the next thing that we're going to uh, venture into talking about here is kind of as we're making our way into World Showcase, and a lot of people say that Epcot could almost be described as two parks, and it almost could be, the front area of the park, which, like we said, has been Future World, um, and we still refer to it as Future World, is kind of, a, it almost could be its own thing. Then as you go towards the back of the park, there's the World Showcase, which is our favorite part of Epcot, which is why we love Epcot. We love some of the attractions in Future World. We're excited to see the changes that are coming and, and what they're going to do with it and, and make it fresh because it has been a little stale in some areas. It's been needing that. We're excited, but we love World Showcase. World Showcase is what keeps us coming back to Epcot. And interestingly enough, World Showcase itself hasn't, it has, of course, undergone lots of updates and things here and there over the years. But by and large, it's very much what it's always been. Um, the countries that are represented there are the same. Um, a lot of things about it are the same. Even the cast members, we made note of this at one point, even some of, some of the cast member um, costumes that they wear are the same 
from when the park opened back in the early 80s, uh, which is astounding. You can see some of these sometimes, and you can you can just kind of tell that they've been around for a while. They're in good shape, but um, we even asked a cast member, we said, is your, is your shirt from the original you know, opening or, or from the when the park opened the original year. She's like, it is. Um, so they've kept their costumes in good care. They take good care of them. And um, they get passed, I guess, from cast member to cast member at times. So that's just a cool little tidbit there. Anyway, I am getting off topic. What I need to be talking about right now is, is the new uh, fountain structures. Harmonious, harmonious barges. There we go. That are in the middle of the lagoon. This is a hot topic. Um, these barges are massive in person. Pictures and video, we'd seen lots of pictures and video up until the point that we visited the park this time. And it's kind of like, yeah, they look obtrusive. Yeah, they look ugly. But in person, I'm going to be honest, my perspective, I think they're hideous. And I think they do really detract from the beautiful views across the lagoon. Typically, when you are in World Showcase and you're looking across the lagoon, you have beautiful unobstructed views of of um, Spaceship Earth, the big golf ball, and it makes for lovely pictures. Um, and especially if you're like in Japan or some, you know, some of these particular uh, country pavilions, you can get some really astounding pictures, very striking with the big golf ball in the back, um, Spaceship Earth. And now you've got these big, big, you know, um, view blocking structures there. Now, we did not get to see Harmonious. It actually debuted within a couple of weeks of us leaving. Um, It looks like it's a spectacular show. So, you know, these things have their purpose. They're definitely purposeful and needed to put on this spectacular show. But during the day... They just, I don't know. I'm hoping that they can come up with something, something to um, make them not so obtrusive and ugly to look at. I think at this point, the only hope is that these things don't last long. You know, I I don't think there's any way around it. The general consensus of people is that during the day, these barges are ugly. Um, I I was hesitant to join in that chorus because I hadn't seen them in person. And like Chanel said, pictures don't really do them justice. But in person, they're big and they're ugly. Uh, you know, during the day, I know that right now they use them for fountains and stuff like that. They they were only testing that while we were there. And it looked okay, but the barges, you just can't, you can't hide the fact that they're big and ugly and whatever. So it is what it is. We'll have to endure for a little while. I, I you know, I've seen video of Harmonious and I actually do you know, enjoy the show um, that is harmonious. So, you know, take it for what it's worth. Um, But yeah, so we're going to talk about the International Food and Wine Festival. This has been kind of a carrot dangling on the end of a string for us. For many years, we've tried to get to Disney World during this. Um, We have an infamous trip that was canceled due to a hurricane um, that would have taken place during the International Food and Wine Festival. Uh, so this was our first, at, at, you know, first real chance to get there and and participate in this, um, and it it didn't fail to deliver. Uh, it was excellent. I will give a controversial take right off the bat. Caleb Berg hot take for the win. It was September. It was hot. And most of the food feels like it would be best served in November. 
Um, it, it has all the feelings of a fall festival, not a summer festival. Um, and even though it officially became fall the day we were there, um, it, it wasn't pleasant to eat some of these food items in the heat. Uh, so, yeah, I, I mean, and I know it's Florida, so, you know, it is what it is. It, you know, you can't really change any of that, so whatever. Um, so I'm just going to say it. I think I enjoyed the food items at the Festival of the Arts better. Um, yeah, I have probably a controversial view about it, too. Um, like Caleb said, this is a festival that we've been trying to get to for a long time, maybe maybe a decade now. Um, and just for one reason or another, it hasn't worked out. We came really close one time, but a massive hurricane hit Florida and rerouted us. Um, so it's, it's been, it's been pl- played up in our minds for a long time. We've been watching the reviews for a long time and watching videos, uh, of others who have, who are going for a very long time. And up until this point, we'd been able to go to flower and garden a couple of times. We've been able to go to festival of the arts, which is the newest festival that's been added to the lineup that happens roughly in winter time. And both of those are lovely. Flower and Garden are beautiful because they do a lot of wonderful creative work with flowers and gardens, just as it says. They create beautiful topiaries, uh, colorful topiaries of uh, different beloved Disney characters, and they do such a fabulous job with that. And when we've gone, it's been in, um, I feel like, earlier spring, and the weather's been, for Florida... Uh, mind you, roughly pleasant, mildly pleasant, um, you know, some hot days and things like that, that happens. But, um, and then we've done art of, uh, not art of animation, um, festival of the arts, which that was, I mean, Florida can get chilly in the winter. People don't realize this, but it really can. And we were there in January, late January. And it was, it was, it was chilly. Um, but the food was really good. It was great having hot food on a cold day. Um, all, I mean, we just loved one item after the next. So we had high expectations for this. And I have to say, like Caleb said, um, this is a wonderful fall festival. And if you're there on a hot day in Florida, eating these hot foods um, can be a bit of a downer. You just don't want heavy things on a 92 degree day. And that's a lot of what it was. Um, A lot of heavier foods, even things like soups. (laughs) And it's like, we didn't go for any of the soups, I don't think, because it was just too hot. I mean, you can't eat soup on a 92 degree day. So, but I have to say, historically, this festival really did used to take place kind of only in the fall and a little bit later into the fall. Like, if I'm not mistaken, Caleb, it used to start like in October. Is that right? Something... Anyway, something along those lines. But this year, because of COVID and maybe even this year for sure, they started it much earlier. They actually started it in July. So it started in the summer. Um, And I just can't fathom eating some of those dishes in the summer. They did it that way because it's such a beloved festival and so many people want to attend it. And because of COVID and limited crowds and things like that for a long time, they decided to extend it, which is a good idea and probably a good business move on their part. But um, I could really see enjoying this festival more if we were able to go later into October into November when you're when you're kind of more guaranteed 
some cooler temperatures in Florida. September, you're really going to still feel summer temperatures for the most part. You might get a little snap, a little break in the weather. I wouldn't even call it a cool snap. I call it a break in the weather where you have some lower humidity and maybe temps in the 80s instead of the 90s. Um, So for that reason, that was um, a little bit of a damper on the festival for me. Um, There were dishes that we tried, like one in particular was a macaroni and cheese dish that um, I enjoyed at the moment because I was very hungry and it was very just savory and, and comforting and everything. But I was like, you know what? This dish would be next level good if I were eating it on a cold day. It was at the Germany Pavilion. Um, it was like a, um, uh, a, a macaroni and cheese bake kind of a thing with some ham in there, um, like a, like a schnitzel kind of a thing. Yeah, um, Caleb's probably trying to look for the name of it. it but anyway, um, it would have been like on a chilly day, it would have been slamming. But I was eating it at 90 degrees and it was like, this is good. But it's just, I can't eat a lot of it because it's too hot and it's too heavy of a dish to enjoy on a hot day. So, and and it's a crowd pleaser. A lot of people really love this dish and I could see in the middle of November being all about it. Um, so that's just an example. And for that reason, I have to say that in my mind, for me, um, Festival of the Arts might win out just a hair over my experience of food and wine just because of the, really the temperatures for me. Yeah, and of course, that's the caveat, right? This is our experience. Your experience with this might be totally different. You know, maybe you thoroughly, you know, enjoyed your your trek around the world and experiencing the the wine the food and wine festival. Uh, we we are not trying to rain on anybody's parade. If this was your favorite, tell us why. Uh, leave us a message, and maybe you'll get featured in an episode. Um, a lot of heavy foods, as Chanel mentioned, a lot of cheesy heavy foods, which honestly uh, is is great, you know, and I'm not complaining about that in the least. Um, it just was a little too hot to enjoy some of it. Having said that, we did enjoy it. Try to, you know, try to balance this out here. Uh, we're not trying to paint, paint the like worst thing in the world type thing. Um, it wasn't a major disappointment. Um, it just was... It just was what it was. Um, so we're going to highlight a few things that we did enjoy, maybe some of our best of the best uh, type things. So I'll, I'll just start. Um, what I have listed as like my favorites from the first day we were there uh, were, were the, the kebabs and the pistachio cake from Morocco. Um, these, these were the two items that made it to my favorite list. The, I had the, the beef kebabs, so basically little pieces of steak, uh, marinated and delicious spices and herbs and whatnot, covered with a tzatziki sauce, I think, uh, with a onion uh, relish type thing to the side over a bed of couscous, and it was so good. I, I love it. I'll, I would go back for more of those. And then the pistachio cake, decorated with a lovely white chocolate uh, candy piece on top, very colorful design, and I have noticed they've changed the design a couple times with those uh, white chocolate pieces. Uh, so I think that's pretty cool. You can go back and get a totally different looking pistachio cake. Um, so for me, the desire to try this came because watching one of our favorite vloggers, uh, Paging Mr. Morrow, and um, he thoroughly enjoyed this cake. But also my Instagram feed for a short while uh, seemed to be filled with all these... Um, Middle Eastern restaurants making their pistachio desserts. 
So when I saw this on the menu, I was like, I got to get this. I want to try this pistachio cake. And I thought it was tasty. Um, uh, Chanel has something that rank, outranks it by a, a degree on, on her level, of, you know, on her, her charts. But I didn't actually get to try the dessert that she had. Um, so for me, this is the top marks for dessert-wise for me, the pistachio cake. Yeah, I'm just going to comment. <clears throat> on on these things that Caleb said. Um, I did try his kebabs. They were really good now that I'm looking at them and remembering them. They were quite delicious. Um, and I love the Morocco Pavilion. I think that it's one of the most ambient pavilions there in World Showcase. It's my second favorite pavilion next to Mexico because I just love going back there. You really kind of feel like you're lost in another little world. And I love that. And I hate to even say it, because, you know, this is the kind of the reason that uh, uh, social media is the bane of uh, Disney goers experience. It's a it's kind of a quiet place. Um, not a lot of people go back there. And um, I, like I said, I hate to say that because I hate to almost share that information. But um, it's a really great little corner to tuck into. And so we sat there and enjoyed um, some of our food. Paul and Marcel got some things too, and we found a good little space. Um, The cake that he mentioned, the pistachio cake, it was very good. I do have something that tops it that we'll probably get to eventually here. Um, But it was a good cake. It was a nice light dessert, which again, on a hot day, it's good to know what the lighter uh, options are. Well, I was just going to say, you're you're welcome to talk about your your favorite. Well, I'll go ahead and talk about it. Caleb's pulled up a picture of it right now, and it looks so good. So um, I'm struggling to remember the name of this dessert. It was a bread pudding at the Mexico Pavilion. Um, covered, it was like a, um, a white, um, the cake itself, the bread pudding itself, um, appears to be a you know a white cake or a vanilla cake of some sort and it did have chocolate throughout so like chocolate chips of some sort uh, or chocolate pieces not necessarily chocolate chips and then it was covered in this amazing chocolate sauce I don't know what was going on with that chocolate sauce but it was wonderful um, this was a warm dessert so again I'm eating it on a very hot day and Hot time. It was noon. I remember. I remember trying to find some shade and I was just melting, absolutely melting. But I was also in heaven because this dessert was so good. If it it was this dessert was, like I said, my fav, probably my favorite thing that I had at the food and wine. Um, and it would have been even next level if the weather would have been cooler. Like I can just imagine taking a bite into this warm chocolate sauce covered dessert on a chilly day and it would have just been perfection. Um, so Caleb pulled it up. I'm going to try to say it. Um, Capriotada de chocolate. Um, it's a abuelita chocolate bread pudding. Abuelita means granny in Spanish. So granny's chocolate bread pudding. You guys, this thing was so, so good. I wish Caleb would have been near to try it. He had to go run off to, I think help Olive with something. She was struggling. She was hungry and we were struggling to find something that she wanted to eat and probably a little dehydrated too. So he was trying to work quickly to get help for her. I've said it before and I'll say it again. Um, This was an instance where she was hungry, but she knew what she wanted. And it it may seem like a simple thing. And parents, you might want to shove it to the side as uh, she can just eat what we eat. But her and I ran over to the China Pavilion we went to the Lotus Blossom Cafe, and we bought her some of that $2 rice. 
And she was a happy, happy camper. And so was I. Because $2. Are you kidding me? At Disney World? Yeah. All day long. All day long. So um, to me, that I talk about it a lot, but I think that is like the epitome of the best tip that I can possibly give you is to go to the China Pavilion and get that $2 rice. Some white rice and some apple juice were the saving grace of the China Pavilion. Yeah, I remember he did. He had to bolt it down there. Because like I said, I think she she was getting hungry. She had fallen asleep or something and woken up and she was a little dehydrated. And and thankfully, he able to eat indoors for that. So he was able to get her out of the heat, get her some AC, get her some white rice, some cheap the cheapest food you'll find on property, and some apple juice, and we were good to go. Well, and I think along with that comes a tip that I had talked about before the the trip on one of our episodes, but I will mention it again. I know as dads, I'll, I'll speak to you dads for a little bit on these Disney trips. We're often the, the ones who are quoted as saying like, you know, I paid good money for this trip. You're going to enjoy it, blah, blah, blah. And I just, I don't want to end up like that guy. So um, I'm willing to to make the extra trek for my daughter to have something she's going to enjoy and get her in better spirits so that the rest of us can enjoy the trip. Um, and there was some moments of the heat getting to us, probably dehydration getting to us, and there was some bickering back and forth. And I just want to do what I can to avoid that so that everybody has a good memory of the trip and we're all getting along and, and having fun. I'll add one aspect to that, too. Um, People might see that as, wow, you're really indulging your child. You're really letting them rule the roost there. Um, But to think about it this way, the whole idea of going to Disney World is an indulgence. It's not a necessity. It's a luxury. Even if you're going in the most budget-friendly way you can go, it's... It's a it's a it's an indulgence for the family. And so we see it as now within reason, we're not going to go buck nutty wild on this. But, um, you know, we're there to enjoy ourselves. We're there to have some little indulgences. We usually save all year for this, sometimes more than a year, because sometimes we don't go every year. We're we're saving. We're putting money aside for this. And we we save for such things, you know, and if, if $2 rice is what makes my daughter happy at Disney World, I'm like, Caleb, it's like, whoa, rice and apple juice? Are you kidding me? That's all she wants? Um, yeah, we'll, we'll walk a few extra steps to, to do that for her because this is what makes the trip for her. You know, for us, we have little things that we're little experiences that we're looking forward to, um, or that we really enjoy. And for Olive, it's getting rice in China. That's what she really loves. So, um, if you think of it that way, the whole trip is an indulgence and you're there to treat yourselves and, and spoil yourselves a little bit. Like I said, within reason, if Olive started asking for princess costumes every day and things like that, we'd have to tell her, no, we can't do that. We're not set up to do that. Um, but, you know, we plan for these little indulgences. There's plenty of no's throughout the trip. You know, it's, it's not like she's just overindulged, but, um, you know, it's just as much her trip, uh, sometimes even more so her trip than it is my trip. And it's others' trip. It was Paul and Marcel's. It was Chanel's. And, you know, so it's not all just about me and my comfort. I mean, frankly, it was hot. It wasn't always comfortable for me. And my daughter doesn't maybe know exactly how to express that herself. It's going to come across as whining um, I'm hot. You know, well, of course she's hot. I'm hot. I just know how to maybe express that a little bit better. Keyword, 
little, not not a lot. I, I probably was just as whiny. Um, but yeah, moving on. Parents, indulge your kids every now and then. Just love them a little bit. Um, one of my favorite items was from the Flavors from Fire. And this was a surprise for me. It was the corned beef corner route. No, I'm sorry. Uh, back up. No, that is it. That is it. Yep. Um, corned beef nachos, essentially. Uh, the way they have it worded here, it was a little confusing. Corned beef corner route. So it's smoked corned beef over uh, chips. They put crispy potatoes, but it's chips. Um, cheese curds, pickled onions, beer, cheese fondue, and it's part of the Emile's Fromage Montage, which we're going to talk about here as well. Um, I liked it. Chanel liked it, although I think she said she wished it had less of something. Yeah. I, um, I'm i not a big corned beef fan anymore. There was a time that I really loved it, but I'm not that into it anymore. It's just a little too salty for me, and some of the flavors just aren't, aren't my cup of tea. But um, if I would have got it minus the corned beef, um, that beer cheese was so good. Uh, the chips were phenomenal. This was a really good um, snack. This was a really good thing. But just for me, I would have. I kind of tried to avoid the corned beef and leave that for Caleb, and just mostly do the cheese and the uh, scallions that were on it. Even some of the pickled onions were fine. But um, yeah, I'm just not a big uh, corned beef fan. Yeah, so this was part of the Emile's Fromage Montage. You know, uh, it's kind of like a scavenger hunt. Uh, as part of the Food and Wine Festival, you you go to five places, and it's cheese-related, of course. And um, by the end, you after you collect stamps from each one of these places, of course, you have to order the food at that place to get it. Um, you can go to one of the booths and get a souvenir plastic cup, and uh, it's filled with some yummy cheesecake soft serve with... Um, strawberry twist, whatever, with a little bit of cheesecake crumble throughout. And it was tasty. Um, we expected a little bit more from the cup that they were giving away. When I say plastic cup, I'm talking it's pretty much a throwaway cup. It's it's about as in, durable as a McDonald's cup. Uh, so <laughs> we, we were expecting something a little bit more, but whatever. It was fun. It was fun to do the scavenger hunt. It was fun to eat that much cheese. Um, and some of them were really good and some of them were just so, so, um, so, you know, I don't have all that written down in front of me, but some of the items were just so, so, um, I do want to mention, um, Let's see. I had it in front of me a second ago. One of the things that I was really hopeful for and just kind of left going, meh, maybe even a a thumb down, although we're not – we told ourselves we would not be doing the thumbs up, thumbs down. I'm sorry. I'm getting the hiccups as I'm talking here. Um, Was from the booth, the India booth. Booth. I'm having a hard time talking today. Uh, but we ordered at the India booth wa- warm Indian bread with pickled garlic, mango salsa, and coriander pe- pesto dips. And I ordered the korma chicken with basmati rice. This was a letdown. Um, kind of a kind of a big letdown. Um, for me, the korma chicken was the biggest letdown. So I watched them assemble it, and I understand at the food festival there are certain ways they have to assemble the foods because they don't cook it right there in the booths. You know, they cook it at a kitchen, bring it to the booths in warmers and all that stuff. But they had the rice and the chicken all separate. They put the rice down. They put the chicken on top of it. Then they put the sauce on it. Then they sprinkle it with, like, some chickpeas. Then they put the, you know, extra whatever sauce on top of that. 
um, yogurt sauce. And I just felt like you could taste the fact that it was all separate. The chicken was dry and unappealing because it hadn't been cooked in a sauce. It was cooked as just chicken, and then the sauce was applied. And because those were separate entities, you could taste the fact that they were separate entities. And so I just was disappointed. Uh, We also ordered the naan bread, which I just can't help but think of Angela uh, from the office when Pam asked her, you know, do you like the bread? And she goes, it's dry. This bread was drier than normal non bread and probably because it sat under warm light you know the warmer lights um throughout the day uh the sauces were okay um there was one that i liked in particular um and it surprised me it was the coriander pesto dip i actually didn't think i was going to like that one but that was my favorite of the three and then i ordered a drink um the mango lassi which is a non-alcoholic drink um it, I, I thought it would be far more refreshing than it was. Um, it, it actually mostly got thrown away, and I, I hate that. I, d- I didn't want to do that, but it just wasn't tasty. So I say of the booths we had, the India booth was my least favorite. I would have to agree, and I was very, I'm very sad to have to agree because I love Indian food. I love naan bread, one of my favorite things ever, and when it's done well, it's so good. Um, so I was very disappointed too, and hate to have to say that, and maybe we just caught it at a bad time, you know, um, perhaps if we'd have caught it when everything was a little more fresh, we, we might have a different review on it, but I agree the the korma chicken was, was dry, unfortunately, and not very pleasant. The non bread was very dry and not pleasant. I took a couple of bites to try the sauces and that was about it. I, I wasn't a fan of any of the sauces really. Um, I'm not a huge mango fan except for dried mango. I love of dried mango. Um, but uh, I just wasn't a fan. And the drink as well. I took a few sips and just couldn't do it. Um, I will make this little mention that Olive and I discovered um, in the, it's not actually a pavilion, but it's sort of like a transitional, like little the refreshment post, which is a, which is African themed, supposed uh, supposed to represent, um, really sort of the continent of Africa. I would love to see more there. Africa is a huge continent and needs a little bit more represent representation. Obviously, Morocco is in Africa, but would love to see a little more there. Um, but they have, to me, I think Olive and I discovered the most delicious Dole Whip on property, um, and that was the watermelon raspberry. I believe that's what it was. No, Caleb says no. What was it? Watermelon and pineapple. Watermelon and pineapple. There we go. Watermelon and pineapple. Guys, this was so good. So while Olive was trying to eat the dry chicken, Olive and I were like, we're going to go right. You were eating your korma, right? Called me Olive. I'm sorry. When Caleb was trying to eat his dry chicken, um, Olive and I walked just a few steps down to go get a Dole Whip. And it was so, so good. That's not, that wasn't even like necessarily a food and food and wine special thing. That was just a thing that was, that was there. And, um, we got it both days that we went to Epcot. It was to me the most refreshing, most delicious Dole Whip that I had this trip for sure. I second that. Um, it it was really good. I mean, I do tend to favor the raspberry and pineapple swirl, but I I will give you guys some, some cred here. Y'all discovered a good one. Um, it's equal probably for me. Um, I, I will try to wrap this portion up real quick because we are going pretty lengthy in this episode, but, um, other things that we tried at the food and wine festival, the Ireland booth, 
the Ireland booth was good, at least for me. I really liked the dessert that we got there, and I seem to be about the only one. Um, so this was the warm chocolate pudding cake with Irish cream liqueur custard. I really loved it. Now, Chanel did burn her tongue because it was pretty hot coming out. Um, my brother and sister-in-law were not a fan of it. Um, but they they got the fisherman seafood pie, and that was really good too. Um, so those items were really good. And then I just want to mention, I finally got the elusive uh, from the Canadian Pavilion, uh, which I, I say elusive uh, because, again, we've been trying to get to this thing forever, uh, this festival, and this is kind of one of those items that's a, a reoccurring item, a star of the Food and Wine Festival. And that's the Le Cellier Wild Mushroom Beef Filet Mignon with truffle butter sauce. Uh, I finally got it. But it was good. It was good. But it was raining. And so essentially I had a sloppy steak, uh, which if you don't know is basically just steak with water thrown on it. Um, I had a sloppy steak at the Canada Pavilion as we were trying to duck out of the rain. Um, And it was coming down pretty good. So it was hard to eat because of the rain because I had nowhere to put my plate. So I'm holding my plate or I would have Chanel hold it while I try to cut a piece off. Eventually, what I just ended up doing, and for those who were standing near me, I'm sorry. It just this is it probably looked horrendous. I just literally grabbed it with my hand and started chewing it like an apple, um, and, because there was no way. I mean, you got plastic cutlery. You're you're ducking under the cover for you know to get out of the rain, and it's just not fun. And, but it was still tasty. It was a good steak. Um, the water did kind of mess with it a little bit, but it is what it is. It doesn't make my rankings just because I didn't get the full ability to try it. So it doesn't even enter into my rankings. Um, but it would have been towards the top, I imagine, if it was minus the water. I'll try to be brief because I know we're trying to move on. Um, this episode's just going to be a little bit longer just because we're combining two park days to cover it. But um, I'll say this about the Ireland Pavilion dessert. It was my second um, favorite dessert. The first being the bread pudding from Mexico. The third one being the pistachio cake. This one actually ranked second for me. I did like it, but what spoiled it was I burnt my tongue. And that always just makes me... I just get really angry when I burn my tongue and it's usually nobody's fault but mine for being for getting too anxious and trying, you know, not waiting for things to cool. Um but I was this was probably the thing that I was most excited to try in the whole food and wine festival because it looked so good and it sounded so so good and um it just didn't quite live up to my expectations and part of that may have been me burning my tongue and therefore maybe not being able to taste it as well or just being extremely angry at the fact that I burnt my tongue. Um, but also, again, I'll say, I probably sound like a broken record, but it was a hot day. And to eat a hot, steamy bread pudding on a hot day is just kind of, you know. Um, and so I feel like this dessert would have really been great on a, a chilly or cold day. It would have been really nice and warm. Um, but it actually, despite all that, was my second favorite. So there's that. All right, moving right along. Uh, we'll try to, you know, again, keep this somewhat moving at a better pace um so uh, just a few highlights from the world showcase um days that we were there um olive had a great time uh you know riding the frozen uh attraction we all did we enjoyed that 
Um, we will forever miss Maelstrom, but you know, I'll have had a good time. We didn't have to wait that long. Uh, it wasn't a bad wait. I think we waited 30 minutes or so. Um, and it, it was nice. It was a good ride. Um, she got to ride, uh, the grand fiesta tour, which of course is one of our favorites. I will say, I will say, yeah, she got to ride it twice and that spoiled her three times. She got to ride it three times and that spoiled her. So we all rode it together. Then we went and had dinner. And Chanel and Olive, Olive was getting a little antsy at the end of the meal. Chanel took Olive to ride it. And then before long, we noticed, because we were eating at San Angel Inn, we we see them come through again. And we hear Olive go, hi, daddy, you know, yelling from the top of her lungs, I'm riding it again. So she got spoiled because they just let her stay in the boat and ride it again. Um, every ride we rode after that, she goes, Will they let me stay in this one just like they they did with Grand Fiesta? And, you know, some of the rides, they'll do that, but they're not going to do that on, uh, you know, like Tower of Terror and stuff like that. I'm like, no, baby, we have to get off. Uh, You know, so it spoiled her. Um, But that was fun. Always is. Always is. Um, And then I I just wanted to mention something funny that happened at the China Pavilion. So Olive, we discovered, loves the China Pavilion and the Japan Pavilion. Those are her two favorite pavilions. We're walking around the China Pavilion. We had just gotten done seeing um, Reflections of China, I think it's called, um, the the 360 show that they have there. We love that show. It's it's fun. We we call it Ah China because the very first line of it is Ah China. Uh, but we get out of it, and Olive is just walking around looking. She got a couple uh, souvenirs. She had a, a gift card that she had saved up for, and so she used that for a couple souvenirs. And we're walking around. She goes, guys, I love this pavilion. Let's just maybe sit down and drink it in. And I, we all, of course, you know, thought that was hilarious. But it just cracked me up coming from seven-year-old Olive. Let's drink it in. Let's just Let's just soak up this pavilion here, guys. Um, it's her favorite. We got to watch Mariachi Cobra. Um, Cobre? Cabre? I can't, I don't know. Spanish is not my language. Um, which was fun. Great music. Fun, fun show. They've been doing that ever since Epcot opened. If you get the chance to see them, uh, that is an enjoyable experience. Um, before we move on to the last two restaurants, you want to say something? I do want to say some things. Um, I believe it was at Epcot. Here's another funny, cute Olive story. I believe it was at Epcot that we got the quote of the trip from Olive, which was, good job, Disney. And I think it was when we were eating the Dole Whip, the first day that we had the Dole Whip um, near the African sort of trading post. Um, we, We were looking for a cool snack. I saw the Dole Whip sign and I said, hey, let's go get it. And then we, you know, found out it was our favorite one. Um, and Olive's eating it and she goes, good job, Disney, just as heartily and as happy as she could be eating that Dole Whip. And it was the quote of the trip. And anytime we had something that tasted really good or just had a really good experience with something, our automatic quote was, good job, Disney. Um, So that was a really cute, fun olive thing um, that probably needs to get put on a T-shirt for the next trip. Um, so that was fun and really cute. And yeah, I love that she's picked out her favorite pavilions. Like out of the three of us, we all have our favorites and olives are China and Japan. And I really think she loves Mexico too quite a bit, but she says that China and Japan are her favorites. Mine are Mexico and Morocco. Caleb's are the UK and Norway. 
They seem to ever be shifting, so I don't know yet. Caleb, Caleb moves around. But anyway, so that was a lot of fun. I do have to say it was really fun and special for me taking Olive on Grand Fiesta this time because last time, two years ago, almost two years ago when we went, she was having a rough go and we went in and she just – her attitude from the, from the start was not – at a great spot and so we rode grand fiesta and she didn't really enjoy it and so this time when we rode she was in a much more positive place and she really enjoyed it so i was happy because grand fiesta tour is my top ride um at epcot for sure sometimes in all of property it it moves spots sometimes depending on my feelings but um so and why at the end like caleb said at the end of our meal at san hengiel inn um, we were waiting on the check and she was just getting a little antsy. It was late. And one of the perks of Grand Fiesta tour is that usually it's usually almost a walk on. Um, I've never had to wait more than five, 10 minutes for it, but most of the time it's a walk on. So you can do that. You could totally do that with your little one. If you've got your spouse there and he's waiting on the check or, or, you know, something like that. It's a great ride to do, to just kill a little time. It's fun for kids. Um, they did let her stay on and ride it twice. And we did that. It's one of those that you could probably ask and get away with it because it's never a crowded ride. And so we just had the time of our lives riding it and rewriting it. And we loved looking, there's a hidden Mickey in the part of the ride where you go through Mexico city. So we really loved that. And she really loved getting to wave to daddy and uncle Paul and aunt Marcel while they were still up at the table, because part of the ride goes right by the restaurant and you can wave to people. So she really enjoyed that. Yeah. So we'll close this episode out by just talking about the two restaurants that we ate at. Most of the food we ate at was part of the food and wine festival, but we did go to two table service restaurants. Uh, We visited San Angel Inn, San Angel Inn, um, the first night we were there. And this restaurant is often a victim of poor reviews. Um, we've now eaten there three times over the last 15 years. And whatever, how many years this has been since we've been going to Disney um, together. And we have not had a bad meal there. I I don't really understand where the bad reviews come from. I'll just let it be, you know, if you have a bad experience there, that's fine. That's, that's your experience. But we've only encountered good stuff. I had the taco de ribeye. Chanel had the chicken enchiladas. Um, and I can't remember exactly what my brother and sister-in-law had. I think my brother had the mole pork mole. chop. He thought it was phenomenal. Um, I I loved it. And and as much as it's about the experience, the food was good as well. So I'm I'm you know I know people have given it poor reviews, but we had a great experience. Our waiter was top notch, um, and the food was really good. We had a good meal, and the the views are spectacular. Getting to sit there, basically amongst you know the the whole pavilion of Mexico overlooking the Grand Fiesta ride as it goes through that front portion in front of the pyramid. The lighting is is amazing as it's supposed to be, you know, at nighttime and, you know, everything is just kind of uh, mysterious and wonderful. And so it was very good, very good indeed. And then the second meal that we had at a restaurant was the Garden Grill, character dining. We're not the most known for our character dining. We don't do that a ton, um, but it was good. And I, I just have to comment again 
based on reviews and whatnot. I recently saw somebody, I'm not going to name them or anything like that, but I saw somebody give um, the Garden Grill a negative review on their video blog. Um, and I just felt like it was so over the top, this negative review. review. I just want to say for those um, who are listening, trying to make decisions on what to do at Disney, this was an excellent character dining experience. You get to see Mickey. You get to see Pluto and Chip and Dale. Um, it's a little different because of COVID. They don't come directly to your table. They come on the top tier. You're on the bottom tier of seating, and they come and they, they, they pose for pictures. And it was fun. It wasn't invasive, which is kind of what we were looking for. And the food was tasty. Um, kind of a, a Thanksgiving-esque type feast. Mashed potatoes, green beans, turkey, uh, cornbread dressing, um, corn and other vegetable mixture type medley type thing. And then some flank steak with some chimichurri sauce on it. It was tasty. I don't care what this person said. Um, and honestly, I think most of their negative review was just some pretentiousness. But I'll leave that alone. Um, and then Olive got a little bit of mac and cheese with the goldfish on top. Thank the Phoenicians. Um, I'm looking at pictures and Chanel was wearing her thank the Phoenicians shirt. Um, Aunt Marcel, Chanel's aunt. <laughs> Olive's Aunt Marcel, my sister-in-law, not Chanel's aunt. Chanel's sister-in-law. Um, she she is pescatarian, so she eats uh, seafood, but not meat. Um, she you know let them know that and they brought her salmon and it was quite lovely you know she said it was tasty um but she had all the other fixings that the rest of us had uh but she got some lovely grilled salmon um and then the dessert i'll say the dessert was all right it wasn't my favorite dessert but it basically was a berry mixture uh shortcake type dessert and it was it was good um it just wasn't a lot, and maybe that was fine because by that time we were all pretty stuffed. But, um, of course, they brought Olive a birthday cupcake and a birthday cookie and all that good stuff. Uh, so it was fun. It was good. Any thoughts on those? Yeah, well, I'll try, I'll try to be brief as I can, but uh, this episode's just longer, so buckle up. But um, on San Hengiel Inn, um, that was probably my favorite sit-down meal we had at, at this trip. I love San Hengiel Inn. I, I just don't. Uh, like I said, we've eaten there three times and um, I can't say a negative thing about it. The ambiance is to me the best you'll get on property. I just love eating in inside of that restaurant. It's just beautiful. Um, and we asked for a table overlooking the water so we could overlook the passengers on Grand Fiesta Tour. Like when Olive and I rode around and said hello, um, you could wave to the people in the boats if you want, if you want to interact with them, which I love to do and Olive loves to do. So that's a big win for us. We did have to wait a little longer to get this table, but I think it was worth the wait. Um, so that right there was wonderful. Like Caleb said, our waiter was wonderful, so kind and so attentive. Um, our food was just top notch. Um, I can't, I can't remember quite what Marcel got either, but it would have been, like we said, either a vegan or pescatarian dish, shrimp, shrimp uh, the camarones, which is Spanish for shrimp. Um, so that's probably what she got. And, um, so again, we've said this before, all you have to do is mention to your, uh, your waiter or waitress that um, you have dietary needs, whether it's vegan, whether it's gluten-free, any of those things, you tell them and they will gladly, 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 gladly accommodate you. The chef is usually more than happy because he gets to do something a little different. So um, 
that is a wonderful plus that they will bend over backwards to meet your food needs. Um, this food was so, the, the meal was so good. I literally hurt myself. I was literally in pain for the rest of the night because I ate so much. <laughs> um, so that's anyway, that's how we feel about it. Uh, that's not to say that you couldn't go on a night and get something that's a little off or something you don't like, but is very positive for us. Um, moving on to the garden grill. Um, this is a restaurant that I've wanted to eat at for a long time because I love the living with the land ride and this particular restaurant, I I can't remember if Caleb mentioned it. It is a slowly rotating restaurant. It takes an hour to do a full revolution. So you get about an hour for lunch or, or, you know, hour for your meal, lunch, dinner, whatever. Um, and you get to see into the ride, kind of a backstage view of the ride. My only, uh, my only slight, slight complaint on that is you can't see as much as I'd love to see. I love this ride, but your vantage point is, um, is kind of up and behind the ride. So you kind of see some of the back of the ride, which is cool. Um, and you very slowly revolve. So it's the view changes, but that's just really cool. It's just so neat. Um, the food, like Caleb said, was so good. I, I just don't see how you could give this food a bad review unless if you just hate food because everything was good. The mashed potatoes were amazing. The, um, stuffing was amazing. I could have just been happy with the mashed potatoes and the stuffing. Um, but the turkey was so good. The gravy was so good. Not dry at all whatsoever. The steak with the chimichurri sauce, I mean, there's nothing to complain about. It was just delicious. Um, so like Caleb said, this to me is almost a holiday, like family style feeling um, meal. I actually love the dessert of the sit-down desserts that we got. It was for sure my favorite. And I think I loved it because it was so light. It was just that light, um, like pound cake or angel food cake or whatever it was with the strawberries and the berries and the, the cream. It was very simple, but it was very good. And I could have quite frankly done with a little bit more of it, even though I was pretty full. Um, I would have been happy with this, like a, another half a serving more because it was just so good and fresh. Um, that I really enjoyed that at dessert. as a dessert. We had a wonderful time as a family. It was kind of the last big meal that we did together for our trip. So it was a wonderful conclusion. And I'm just glad I got to tick it off of my uh, bucket list as a restaurant that I wanted to try. Um, I probably would hold off on going again just because there's so many other things I want to try. But it was solid. It was very solid. I couldn't, there's nothing I could complain about food wise. Yeah, for sure. I would say if you have trouble snagging like the Space 220 reservations, because that's the new popular restaurant that kind of does that whole, um, you know, almost it's a more of a simulated rotation or whatever. But um, I would say definitely go for Garden Grill because you won't be disappointed. The food is good. It's a fun experience. And it's a character meal. Um, if you do have the kiddos that want to do the character meal or you're a child at heart that wants to do a character meal, it's, it's very much worth it. Um, and so... Having said that, they get they both get really positive reviews from us, and we're experts. So you know, just kidding. Uh, but I, I do tend to think that uh, people who go down to the parks from out of state who don't get to go as often tend to review these restaurants better and higher than the people who visit these restaurants who live in Orlando and it's their life job to review the restaurants you know maybe they're trying to be as impartial as possible but i've just noticed they tend to be far more negative and a little bit more bitter so 
you know, I would just say to them, start enjoying what you do a little bit more because the bitterness is starting to show. Uh, just enjoy it. This is good food. Get over yourself. Um, but I, we we thoroughly enjoyed it. If you disagree with us, um, we still love you. It's okay to disagree with us on these things. But we would ask that you would leave a message on our thing and tell us what about it maybe you experienced that you didn't like. And we would love to feature those clips in a future episode. Um, and we don't talk about that a lot, but on our podcast, you do have that ability to record a message, share with us, and we can feature it on an episode. So if there's ever anything that you want to comment on or you have a question on even, like as we're talking about things, and you want to know a little bit more about it, please feel free to leave us those and we would gladly feature them in another episode. As always, our podcast is made available through our travel agency, which is also known as That Vacation Company. Uh, We love to book uh, any type of vacation, but we definitely really love booking Walt Disney World vacations, um, you know, trips to Orlando where we can hook you up with not only Walt Disney World, but Universal as well. Or if you're interested in going to something like Disneyland out in California, uh, we can also book that Disney Cruise Line, Adventures by Disney, all the Disney vacation packages we are able to book. And so if you're interested in experiencing the magic for you and your family, feel free to hit us up. We would love to put together a no-obligation quote for you free of charge. Our services, as always, are free of charge to you. Um, You don't pay anything more uh, for using us than you would paying directly yourself through the company, but you get the the loving, tender services of a travel agency that will guide you through your booking process. And that's what we love to do. We are That Vacation Company, serving you the most delightful destinations. 